0: Hey, hey guys, welcome, welcome back to the podcast. It's Nikayla here, and today in the guest chair, we have Olivia Owens. Olivia is the vice president of entrepreneur success at iFund Women and the creator of iFund Women of Color. iFund Women is the go-to funding marketplace for women-owned businesses and the people who want to support them with access to capital, coaching, and connections. In January of 2020, Olivia developed iFund Women of Color a program dedicated to advancing entrepreneurs of color by addressing the unique pain points diverse founders face when it comes to accessing capital for their businesses. This funding ecosystem is designed to empower early stage women entrepreneurs and bridge the funding gap for women of color. In this episode, we get into what I fund Women really is, how to leverage the resources it provides, and we dispel myths about who should crowdfund and what kind of network you need to have to have a successful crowdfunding campaign. And we also get into the mental blocks that prevent some of us from launching a crowdfunding campaign. So I really love this episode. It's one that I am going to bookmark. I think you're going to want to bookmark this, plus share with every woman business owner that you know. So let's get right into it. Welcome, welcome to the guest chair, Olivia. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Really excited for yes. uh, our talk today.
0: Yes, glad we're able to do this. And before we, you know, really jump in, I just want to make sure that everyone understands. Like, what is iFund Women? What does the organization do and provide?
1: Yes, iFundWomen is the go-to funding marketplace for women doing businesses and the people who want to support them. And mm. specifically, we provide access to capital through crowdfunding grants. We also offer business coaching and we have a community where entrepreneurs are able to connect with each other. And our number one goal is to close the funding gap for women entrepreneurs. Mm. That's what we're in this for. So you
0: were one of the founding members. What attracted you to the organization and its
1: mission? I actually have a very personal connection to okay. iPhone Women, so I grew up with an entrepreneur mom, um, and really watched her build her business and also watched her struggle to access capital as so many of the women that I support today do. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. until she found iFundWomen that she found a tool that could really work for her. And so she was able to raise $30,000 for her business on the platform. And that was right around the time that I was making a career pivot, moved to Mm -hmm. New York city and, and was able to meet the founder, Karen Kahn. And, um, Instant synergy fit. Really yeah. loved the mission. Um, I moved to the city with one clear mission of I want to do something that helps people become a better version of themselves. And I found women fit into that ethos very clearly. And so, yeah, I, I was able to join the team, started out in marketing, and have been here for four years since.
0: I mean, I can definitely relate to wanting to do something that just helps people be better. And I I love that. I love that you have an entrepreneurial mom. Not many people experience that. So that's really cool. And then speaking of entrepreneurial, um, you know, you have experience being an entrepreneur, which so many people try to do. And, you know, that is being able to start something new within an established company. So can you tell us a little bit about why you decided to start iPhone Women of Color? What's the difference with that? Um, particular sector
1: of the company? Absolutely. I think it's very similar to anybody who's out there starting a company. I I recognized a problem. Uh, While women of color represented 70% of the women on our platform, which is no surprise considering out of the 1,800 new businesses started in this country every day, 89% of those are started by women of color. Um, They were only representing 30% of the funds being raised. And so- Mm -hmm. While we see a similar funding disparity play out across pretty much every funding option out there we said not mm-hmm. on our watch this is something yeah. that we can directly address and create a solution yes. for and so i launched i fund women of color in january of 2020 mere months before the pandemic um yes <laughs> to close that gap on our platform and uh we were able to launch with caress as our founding partner with a one million dollar investment and when march hit we were able to very quickly pivot our programming to serve our customers where where they needed it most in that moment. And that was for emergency relief funding to keep their doors open and keep going, whether that was to buy new furniture um, Mm -hmm. for the outside patios that we now all needed to have or or whatever it was. (laughs) Um, So we were able to support 200 women of color um, in our community initially and and since have been able to support um, hundreds of women through our Crest Dreams fund and, yeah, it's, it's been really exciting. And in the first year, we were able to move the needle on our cumulative funding volume. Women of color mm-hmm. now represent 51% of the funds raised on the platform. And I, I would tie that success to really understanding the obstacles and that we're getting in the way of success. And so crowdfunding is... A tool that requires you to leverage your network and so if Mm -hmm. you don't feel like you have a network it can be an inaccessible tool and on the other side of that it flips everything we've been taught on its head it's not about putting your head down grinding it out working really hard it's Mm -hmm. putting your vision out there and asking people to believe in it and not just believe in it but pay you money for it and so that brings you into a whole different state of Money fears, making the ask, fear, self doubt, imposter syndrome, um, and and not having necessarily examples of people who look like you and have your mm-hmm. shared experience doing that successfully, exactly. And so that's what we've been able to create, I and Women of Color, uh, to date.
0: amazing and you know we we need to talk about this we need to break that down a little bit because you touched on this there are a lot of um, assumptions about who can raise money when you're able to raise money. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you dispel that for founders when they come onto the Women platform to understand that, yes, you can raise money as well and, and crowdfund, I should say, just to be specific, crowdfund. And there are ways to do that even when you feel like you don't have a strong network. So can you talk a little bit more about that?
1: There's so many um, different kind of myths uh, behind it. And I think ultimately that's because we only have kind of one story of what success looks like in business, Mm. but it's a fallacy if... Right now, success is defined by raising hundreds of millions of dollars for your business, but only 1% of founders, regardless of their gender raise venture capital. Um, inherently, that can't be the definition of success yeah. or we all lose. Um, yep. And so I think a lot of the the initial conversations that we have are first and foremost, you um, What is your long-term vision for this business or this side hustle? Is this something that you just want to do on the side for a few years? Is it something that you want to create a legacy for your family? Or is it something that you want to grow and scale really quickly and have some type of exit based Mm -hmm. on that vision, that helps you decide what types of capital are right for you. And really, it's a funding journey. You're going to leverage multiple types of capital as you're building your business and and pushing it further. And we really see crowdfunding as the first stop on that journey to prove demand before you invest in supply. The reality is the majority of startups fail. And so we're all about failing fast and failing cheap. Um, And crowdfunding (laughs) is a low-risk, debt-free way to Get your idea out there and prove out if you, if you have a real business, because a real business is when you have customers paying you, um, Mm -hmm. for your product or service.
0: And you're so right about that one story. That one story is out there and I just see it so much. I actually just, you know, that's one of the things that I wanted to highlight with this podcast is to get away from that story. I don't do a lot of um, conversations with people who talk about raising or pitching and all of that because I think it's such it's something that not everyone very few people need to be thinking about at this stage and it just has, um, yeah, it's very rare. Like you said, it's not that it's impossible, but there are other alternative methods that you touched on that you can approach first on this journey. I also like that you call it a journey. We're not saying it's one or the other, like you can never raise, but your pitch and the things you develop and learn about your business while you are preparing for your crowdfunding campaign will help you down the line if and when your business requires that you raise. So let's talk about that because one, I want to kind of dispel any myth that we are taking people's money to test. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like like that, you know, crowdfunding is a way to, you know, get people's money. And that's not what we're doing here. So who qualifies uh, when, when, when you're getting people ready? What do they need to do to be ready? to
1: start a crowdfunding campaign? Yeah, so I think first it's, I'll define crowdfunding to to get us grounded. So crowdfunding is raising small increments of money from lots of people that you know that adds up to just enough money to achieve a specific goal. And that goal isn't a dollar amount. Crowdfunding Mm -hmm. isn't a tool that's going to help you fund the next five years of your business, but it can help you get over the obstacle that's in front of you right now. So whether that is manufacturing the first line of your product or building out the prototype for your app or opening a physical location, really getting clear on what that next step is Mm -hmm. and then figuring out what's the minimum that I need to raise to accomplish that. So I think grounding us there is really important. And then the other side of that is when you're crowdfunding, you're not asking for a donation or charity for your business. You are selling products, services, content, experiences in exchange for cash that will help you push your business forward. So I think the light bulb goes, goes off once people understand this is about an exchange of value. It's not about donation or charity. So then when you go out to make the ask, it's not, hey, yeah. if you could support my business, I would really appreciate it. <laughs> right, it's, honey. hey, I know, ooh, I know you're a fellow entrepreneur. I know you've mentioned that you're having trouble with social media. I'm actually offering a social media workshop, package, downloadable tool that would really help your business. And then you'd also be helping me push mine further. Um, Mm -hmm. and so really grounding yourself in that, in that exchange of value is so critical to getting into the mindset that you need to be in to raise this money.
0: You know, what's interesting about that, Olivia, it's, I think something else that is a misconception. So, you know, you're helping to unlock that for me as well, is that when you do a crowdfunding campaign, you kind of need to have these tiers of freebies that come with donating. Um, like, so, okay, you donate to this, then you get this when we reach our goal and you get that when you donate this amount. So within your model, you're saying that you can actually give things, uh, an exchange that are valuable, just as valuable as the um, amount that someone would contribute, but they could be things that people find value in your mind. Like they could be things like your services, your social media coaching. Um, What are some other things that you've seen people build into their campaign?
1: Exactly, and I think the place where you have to start from is what are the things that people are already asking me for that I'm just not monetizing yet. What are mm-hmm. you the go to for? Whether it's resume review or new fashion coming up for this season or organizational <laughs> um, tools, tips and tricks. It's it's really understand the value that you're already driving to people, and then just mm-hmm. monetize it. You can get super creative with it. You can think outside of the box, and I think the beauty behind crowdfunding as well is. You're leveraging your entire network for this campaign, but probably yeah. there's only a segment of your network that is actually your target customer for whatever it is that you're raising funds for. So crowdfunding yeah. gives you the flexibility to say, hey, you may not need this service, but I know that you love, um, one of my favorite rewards is somebody had this, um, secret family chili recipe that everybody <laughs> loves. So she sold that recipe on her campaign, um, exclusively <laughs> if you wanted to see the behind the scenes of this recipe and yeah. it went like gangbusters because that's what she was known for. And It was a personal um, kind of touch and it gave those people a reason to support the campaign, whether or Mm -hmm. not they wanted the swimsuit. Um, And so I think the best thing about our platform um, is you don't have to reinvent the wheel. We have so Mm -hmm. many campaigns on our platform. You can see what they offered and figure out how you can customize that to your business, your superpowers and your network.
0: I'm glad that you mentioned that because seeing other ideas definitely jogs your own mind. So yeah, it takes the pressure off of, oh my God, I have to build this all from scratch. And speaking of from scratch, like you guys do such a great job of supporting on every level from the coaching. And can you talk about that as well? So when you join IFUN Women, like what is the process and then what can you
1: expect like resource wise? Yes. Um, so joining iFundWomen is as simple as getting in our Slack network, following us on social, and we have a never-ending well of tools and resources for you to leverage. Our, our key one is the iFundWomen method playbook, which is a free mm-hmm. um, Excel sheet that breaks down the iFundWomen method to approaching a crowdfunding campaign. Um, it's a four-step process. The first one is honing your pitch, getting really clear on the problem that you're solving and how your product or service solves that problem. The second one is mapping your network. I think our Mm. network is this thing that just lives intangibly in our head. And so we're like, nope, we're putting pen to paper on that. How many people do you know? And then realistically, how many people can you get to contribute to this campaign? And then the third piece is your reward strategy. So just Mm -hmm. what we were talking about, what are the different things that you're going to sell? And the last piece is your marketing strategy. It takes five Mm. to seven touches to get somebody to convert. So what are those five to seven touches going to be? You're going to be posting on social. You're going to be doing email marketing. And most importantly, you're going to be doing that one-to-one outreach and directly reaching out to people and, and letting them know that they can get in um, on the funding. And so yeah. um, we have that playbook. We have a free crowdfunding e-course. And then we do offer one-on-one business coaching where you're able to work with a coach and, and strategize specific to your business. Oh, that's um, awesome. So, yeah, there are all the tools, all the resources. We also do free workshops, um, (laughs) a bunch every single week. So there's a lot to dive into.
0: And So what kind of businesses have you seen do really well on on your platform and, and have really successful crowdfunding
1: campaigns? Sure, it's so not rooted in the type of business. It's rooted in the type of entrepreneur. Honestly, I think it's the mindset that you go into this campaign with. I mean, if you don't believe you can raise the money, you're not going to raise it. A um, yeah. and B, um, you have to be willing to make the ask to to raise, and also you have to understand community building. And I mm-hmm. think that's one of the the biggest pieces. For me, and one of the first conversations that I'm having with entrepreneurs, because the reality is if you can't find your customers before your product or service exists, the idea that they're going to materialize out of thin air once your product or service exists is not real. Um, and so <laughs> <laughs> that's it right there. And that applies for everything, exactly. everything in life. I
0: talk about this to my podcasters as well. Like you've got to know who you're talking to before you yes. launch.
1: And where they spend their time and what their biggest pain points are um, and who they like to connect to, what they're tapped into and draw them to you by Mm -hmm. adding value to them. It's free to build community that costs no money. Um, It's, it just takes time Mm -hmm. and, and dedication and um, a willingness to put yourself out there. And so it's the people who understand that and have a willingness to do that that are successful at crowdfunding because they've already... I think the other big thing is, well, my friends and family don't have money to put into my business. That's okay. okay. Yeah. You, can build, you can build a community outside of that of your target customer who are really hungry for the value that you're looking to provide um, and leverage them for the campaign. But mm-hmm. again, that's going to take time. So if you're launching your campaign and then having the question of like, okay, well, how do I build this community? It's, it, it's late. Um, and so, <laughs> yes. um, start now. Start today. Doing yeah. that, and those are the entrepreneurs that are most successful.
0: Now, do you support the community building aspect? Is that something that you, you know, through their through the resources you provide, you really encourage people to do before they launch their actual campaign?
1: Yes, that's the, the entire point of the iPhone Women Network. Um, yeah. Because so often our network is made up of your target customer, whether you're looking to connect with moms or you're looking to connect with corporate women, or you're looking to connect with fellow entrepreneurs, that is a beautiful starting point. Mm. Um, And then I think there's also a beauty to leveraging each other to get further faster. Mm. Uh, One of the other reasons why I think I fund women of color is so important is because I think women of color have been sold this scarcity fallacy, the idea that there can only be one of us at the table or um, that, why would I be able to get that grant or mm-hmm. access to that funding? And I think being in a space where we can show that, no, us giving you shortcuts, removing yeah. obstacles, avoiding rookie mistakes, that helps us all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think the scarcity of fallacy um, creates a reality where we're cutting ourselves out before the system even has the opportunity to. It's already mm-hmm. hard enough to navigate the system um, but you have to let yourself get into it first yeah. to, to, to really overcome. Yeah. Um, and so the community building piece is it's critical finding your target customer. That's one of the main things that I coach on mm-hmm. at iPhone women. Cause I, I love building community. I think it's love such a it. powerful tool. And then it yeah. also allows you, cause when you get into entrepreneurship, so often it's because you're trying to solve a problem that you've experienced yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and you may have a very clear idea of how you want to do that. But if you build a community, your community may tell you, okay, well, that's nice, but this is what we really actually care about. And yeah. <laughs> um, that's the information that you want. And then also, right. if you do need to pivot, if you do need to adjust, those people are going to follow you, not because of the the product that you were providing them, but the ultimate yeah. value that they've they've gained from being connected to you.
0: So let's talk specifically about iPhone women of color because again you saw the need for this within the larger body within the larger organization and I'm curious to know, you know, you've touched on various parts of it, but were there like three or you know, two or so big things that you just kept seeing over and over again in entrepreneurs of color that you said, okay, I I need to solve for this. I need to narrow down and focus and talk to these women because I'm tired of seeing this pattern.
1: (laughs) Yes. I would say the main two things were analysis paralysis. Um, I I could be talking to an entrepreneur for the course of months about, okay, we're going to do this. We're going <laughs> to do this and, and never, never launching. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, how do we accelerate mm-hmm. the launch? And so we've been able to do that with the Crest Dreams Fund, mm-hmm. um, where... Caresses the first funder of their campaign with oh. a grant, so now they have a reason to launch. Yes, um, yes. It's like you you want this money, okay? We're getting started. Um, but beyond that, it's also the the affirmation from mm-hmm. a brand like Caressing. Hey, we see your business, we yeah. see the opportunity there. Here's some money to help get you started. I think That's that helps amazing. that self belief yeah. component to it. And then I think the other pieces, just understanding what you're raising funds for, Mm -hmm. um, and, and how to position it. Cause Mm -hmm. I think when, when we, when we get to the early days of this, um, program, it's like, okay, well, I'm raising money for programming or to hire and it's, or to, or, or for marketing. And it's like, okay, but funders out there don't really care to help you fund your marketing for your business. But if you can position it in a way where what will a hire help you accomplish or what will marketing help you accomplish, it'll allow us to launch our accelerator program. It'll allow us to open a physical space. It'll allow us to impact a hundred black moms, whatever it is, you have to ground it in the impact. Mm. And so it's that positioning that I also think, um, I I consistently saw uh, women of color struggle with when it Mm. came to crowdfunding.
0: Oh, That right there, that was a little bit of a sermon. I I mean, bookmark this episode, you guys, because even as you're speaking, like so, so many light bulbs are going off in my head about because I see those patterns as well. And I absolutely think that the more that we can help people to push through analysis process, even to start the side hustle and then to actually start doing what they need to do to get it off the ground. And yes, you do need to actually launch and you do need (laughs) to put yourself out there because that's something yes. else that people um, struggle with that I see is putting themselves out there. Like, you can't hide. You can't have no one know it's your business, but also have a successful business. Very exactly. few <laughs> business models can operate like that in today's world, y'all. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> you can't it's you so know, true. be like, I, I don't want anyone to know I'm doing this on the side. We got to
1: work through those fears. We do. And one of the, one of the, um, most mind numbing questions I get is, okay, well, I'm going to launch the campaign, but I really only want to push it to a few people. <laughs> or like, I, I don't want to put it all over everywhere. Right, right, and it's right. like, well, then how are people going to know about exactly. it? Um, how can, how are they going to know to get involved? How can because it's also, you? Yeah. Exactly. Put yourself in the mind of the consumer. Um, today, especially in this TikTok era, we expect the content that we receive to be so hyper-curated to um, our interests. And so the burden is on you Mm -hmm. to show people why they should care about this, not slyly post about it once or twice and expect them to know we're also right. getting so much information thrown at us so if you feel like you've been screaming from the rooftops in reality they've probably only heard about it once or twice yes um, or and never so, or never at all, or never exactly <laughs> and and uh, one of my favorite but not actually favorite stories was is an entrepreneur who um really didn't want to put it out there, closed her campaign, did a final post saying thanks to everybody who supported, really yeah. appreciate it. She probably got five texts being like, wait, I didn't even know you were doing <laughs> this. Like, how can I support? And it's just like, right, it's, right. it's that reality mm-hmm. of you think because this is your every day, you live and breathe this, yep. that everybody else is in that with you, but they're not. And so really you, you do have to put it out there right. if you're going to get it going.
0: Yep. And my advice too is to, Pretend that each time you post, no one sees it because really every time you post, if only a small percentage of your um, the people who follow you see that, like, let's say on a good day, maybe 10 percent, but it's probably mm-hmm. less than that. Right. Let's say 1 mm-hmm. percent. So that means just to even get them to see it, not even read it. You have to post it, you know, 10 more times, 100 more times. OK, not 100, but, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> At least give it enough time so that your audience can even see it, not even read it. You have to remember, like people might see the email, have the best intention of opening it, never open it, or they may open it, have the best intention of contributing and never contribute. I always like to say when it comes to crowdfunding, I don't know. Well, maybe not crowdfunding, but when I have fundraised in the past, people love that last minute push like, oh, today's a day! Oh, yes. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So oh, urgency,
0: that urgency, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you just can't be afraid to send those messages and let people who want to unfollow or unsubscribe, let them do that. They be gone. Be gone.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> they were never truly in the in the you know in the community to begin with. If exactly. They, if, they were, if they don't understand what you're doing and why you need to send those those messages, let them go.
1: They were not for you. <laughs> One of the things that I really want to hone in on is crowdfunding is about everything that happens before you launch the campaign. Mm -hmm. And I think that's another big mistake. It's like, you'll put the campaign up there, but you've done no prep work to help set this up for success. Mm -hmm. So in that same vein of letting people know, people should know about the campaign well in advance before you launch. Again, because if it takes five to seven touches, you want to start that process. You have people who are ready to contribute on day one. Um, And so I think it's so critical to um, prep your network for this. So they're ready. They're, they're there and, and they've planned for this. And, and now it's the time to take the action. Um, but we always talk about how you're going to see the highest number of contributions at the beginning. And at the end, people love like a big splash moment, uh, an announcement, yeah. and then they love a five days left, four days left, three days left, urgency. so on. Yep, yep. And so it's, but it's also like, how do you create many moments of urgency mm-hmm. throughout, whether you have, a limited edition reward that's only gonna be available for these days, or you have many milestones, like we need to get to $10,000 by this date to make sure that we can hit our launch. We also recommend an incognito launch period where you open your campaign up, but you're only going to a specific segment of your network first because Mm -hmm. the reality is people are followers. They do things after they see other (laughs) people doing them. So if you're launching publicly um, with a couple thousand dollars in the bank, people are going to be like, oh, wow, she's killing it. Let me know versus it's really hard to get somebody to be the first. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are just some kind of insider tips. And again, like that's that's what you get in the coaching. That's what you get in all the tools and resources because if this is your first time crowdfunding, how are you supposed to know? Yes. And so we really want to be that education source for you.
0: Absolutely. And another mental block that I hope we can help people get over. Cause I know it's one that I struggled with whenever I had to fundraise for something, I would think like, well, people are going to be like, I know you have a job. Why don't you pay for this yourself? Or <laughs> maybe, maybe you need to work a little harder on your business. Why can't you afford to hire someone else? Why can't you, you know, like, so what I'm trying to say is I think there's a little bit of fear or worry around the perception of you mm-hmm. asking for money for your business. What's your response to that? How do you help people get through that mental block?
1: Definitely. I mean, I think put yourself in the shoes um, of when you've been asked to help somebody. Yeah. I, I think uh, a great way to talk about this, one of my favorite um sayings is from Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed, where she talks about there's no such thing as one-way liberation. Um, The idea that when you free yourself, you are inherently freeing the other person on the other side as well. So whether that's you go out there, make the ask for your business, you're now helping another woman know that like, oh, this is acceptable. This is something that I can do because I see her doing it. Wow. Or think about anytime somebody's asked you for help and what a gift that is to you because it's like, oh my God, I get to use my value, my purpose, my worth to help another person, beautiful. You don't sit there and you're like, why are they asking me for help? Yeah. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, you're like, okay, let me know. And also people can't help you unless they know what you need. Um, and so I think while let's say in your network, they, there may be those five people that have something negative to say or judgment, that's yeah. a reflection of them, not yeah. you. Why would you let those five people keep you from the 100 other people who want to support you and help you get to where you're trying to go? ooh, that
0: liberation line, that mm-hmm. is amazing because you're so right. Like, I, I think that crowdfunding in and of itself, yes, you have to do the groundwork before, but then the campaign in and of itself is a marketing strategy.
1: <laughs> like, It's marketing and sales.
0: It's That's marketing it. and sales. All of a sudden, people are seeing all this buzz around your business. They're seeing all this motion, this forward motion and momentum. So you're also giving yourself this, Marketing campaign while you're earning money. So, what happens after the campaign? What are some ways that um, founders have leveraged the campaigns to move forward? Do they continue to do campaigns or, you know, are you allowed to do more than one crowdfunding campaign? What happens?
1: Absolutely. I think one of the most interesting things about crowdfunding is while you do walk away with the funding, something that's maybe a little bit more valuable that you walk away with is your level yes. of self belief and understanding of your own capacity. Um, and you can Bring that energy to the next levels of your business. Because I always like to say there's yes. no such thing as a destination in entrepreneurship, with each mm-hmm. next level comes new things you don't know. Um, and so when you yeah. realize like, oh, I can hackle things that I don't understand because I proved it to myself when I raised this this capital through crowdfunding, you can bring that to, yeah. the, to the next level. But specifically to answer your question, people can absolutely do multiple crowdfunding campaigns. One of my favorite stories mm-hmm. is an entrepreneur who initially raised for a summer dance camp in her community for people with special needs, um, sold out instantly. Um, and mm-hmm. then she came back, another time to raise a hundred thousand dollars to actually open up a, a studio in a full-time location. Wow. And so again, that, that I, that idea of proving demand before you invest in supply, testing it out and then going mm-hmm. bigger. And that's the beauty of crowdfunding because you build a community around this thing. They supported the first iteration. They're so like, wow, wow, that was such a success. They're going to be there to support the next iteration as well. And you're going to get a bigger following because again, that that crowdfunding campaign was a marketing campaign. And now people want to know more about it. Um, and then, um, there, it also opens you up to other funding opportunities because I think one of the biggest challenges when it comes to leveraging other funding options is they, they are looking for some proof. Um, and so when you're applying to a grant program and maybe they have a revenue requirement and it's like, okay, well, I'm just trying to get this business off the ground. You can leverage your crowdfunding campaign. I was able to raise $10,000 for XYZ. Or if you're pitching an angel investor, it's look, I was able to raise, $25,000 $25,000 from my network. They all bought the membership. This is what they're really hungry for. I need mm. an additional $100,000 to bring it to life. Yeah. You have that proof to stand in. So, um, those are just a couple of the different ways that you can continue to, to leverage this initial crowdfund.
0: now, iFund Women of Color also has pitch competitions. How does that work? How do you get involved in pitching your business?
1: Yes. So, um, you join IF and Women of Color. There's an application um, that you can mm-hmm. you can leverage, and we host different events throughout the year where you can get the opportunity. And that's really what we're working towards in our sessions. It's how can we get your pitch tight, get you to a strong uh, business model, and and put it out there and and pitch mm-hmm. in a safe space, a, a space with a, yeah. a panel of judges who look like you and understand your life experience, which I think um, is. Sadly, rare um, to be able to get yeah. access to, uh, but also outside of iFund Women of Color, iFund Women also has iFund Women Entrepreneur of the Year, which is our biggest funding program that we do, where each year we name the iFund Women Entrepreneur of the Year, and that founder gets a one hundred thousand dollar equity investment in their business, um, and I think that puts a powerful stake in the ground because I think one of the reasons that get gets attributed to why there is such a funding gap is because women aren't building VC fundable businesses and that's simply mm-hmm. not true. Um, yeah. There's a lot of pattern matching that goes on in the VC space. And so they're looking at historically what has been successful and historically that has been businesses run by white men. And so how do we mm-hmm. show other examples of businesses who can get to that level and, and really put our stake in the ground by putting I Fund women on their cap table. Um, and oftentimes these are businesses that we've kind of followed Along for our yeah. multi year journey to see them get to this stage. So, um, wow. applications for IFEN Women Entrepreneur of the Year are open through um, June. So, okay. definitely get in there and apply. And I also think the reason to apply for things like this is it's such a good force function for you and your business mm-hmm. to do the exercise of answering the questions and make sure you know yes. how you need to be positioning this. So, um, I yes. definitely recommend you apply.
0: Okay, and so in order to apply, you need to also be in iPhone Women of Color, no? Or- nope.
1: For the pitch competition, um, yes, but for iPhone Women Entrepreneur of the Year, any entrepreneur can apply.
0: Oh, okay. I love that, and you're so right about answering those questions. I find that whenever it's time to answer, especially when you think that you have a non-traditional business, right? Like you talked about pattern matching that goes on. And the fact that you feel like, I don't really fit any of these patterns. So when it's time to answer questions, it can be a little intimidating. Like, oh, they're not even going to look at this business. They're not going to take it seriously. But you have to push through that because you are defining a new type of business so you need to continue to put that in front of people's faces so they start to understand it and I'm speaking to myself you guys as much <laughs> as to you because I do shy away from applications I'm telling you now I'm, I'm admitting this in front of all of you guys and it's something that I'm going to stop in 2022 so there's that and the other thing you mentioned um so you touched on the award being equity investment, but prior to that, um, if you are doing a crowdfunding campaign, you do not have to give away any of your business not at all. And so, I think that's one of the great things about again starting with crowdfunding and putting that in your raising journey. So, talk a little bit about that. And are people f- afraid of that process? Is that why you you know you have to do a lot of education around the difference between crowdfunding and raising venture capital? Talk about that.
1: <laughs> I think ultimately we are afraid of what we don't know. Um, And so another thing with iPhone women of color is that is the place to ask the quote unquote dumb question Um, so Mm -hmm. that you can go into other rooms and feel confident, feel like you know what you're talking about, know your stuff. But we need those spaces where we can be vulnerable um, and have our fears, our emotions, our anxieties validated and affirmed Mm -hmm. and also say, But still, we're going to persevere and do do the thing. And so I really think it's just a fear of not knowing um, and not knowing where to go um, to overcome that.
0: That is so, so true. Um, So we're pushing past that together, you guys. This is why I love community based resources like this. And this is why I wanted to have this conversation on the show, because I think exploring alternative methods of getting capital for your business is so so crucial like this is not the year where anyone is going to struggle anymore like this is the year where we are going to find a solution to anywhere that we're hitting a wall so let's talk about podcasting a little bit and podcasting businesses since you're here (laughs) Um anyone done a crowdfunding campaign for that? Or are you finding, are you seeing podcasters, um, on,
1: um, I fund women of color now. We are seeing podcasters and I want to see okay, more we, because
0: yes. again, like
1: podcasters <laughs> are inherent community builders. Um, mm. and they're so tuned in to what their listeners want to hear, uh, their pain points, their questions, all of that. So absolutely crowdfund for your podcast. It makes so much sense. And then it also yes. allows you to test out what does phase two of this podcast look like? Do we want to go the merch route? Do we want to go the live event route? Do we want to go some type of subscription experience? It it allows you to test out, okay, this following that I've created, how can I monetize them more by delivering to them what they're really looking for and find a way to test that out. Um, Mm -hmm. So absolutely, I think it's brilliant to crowdfund for your podcast to really figure out, okay, where do we take this thing next?
0: Yes, yes. I'm glad that you mentioned that and something you touched on that word monetize, right? So that word can put some people off, right? It can make them feel like, oh, you just see dollar signs when you think of this X that you created. And I want to unpack that. So Another thing that I think some of you guys listening might struggle with when it comes to asking people for money for your business, whether that's through a product on your website and promoting that you have that or through a crowdfunding campaign, we have to do away with the guilt about charging people or asking for money for something that we are creating. Like... There's a cost of goods. There's a cost of services. And in order to make a profit, you then need to have revenue. You need to have somebody pay you so that you can have that profit. So do you also deal with people who struggle with this like icky feeling around charging money, making money? And how can we push past that? Oh, yes.
1: Oh, yes. yes.
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because, you know, when you mentioned podcasting, I just thought about the fact that, you know, a lot of people think of it as something that's supposed to be free. And so whenever you create something that some people think are supposed to be free, first of all, those some people aren't your audience. <laughs> they are your customer, right? We have to break through that. Like if you are creating something that costs you time and effort, that means you've put a cost in there now. That's the cost of goods. So now how do you monetize that to earn back what you've made and more to make a profit?
1: Yeah, so the, the way I'm going to approach this is I think we spend a lot of time talking about the funding gap problem, but another stat mm-hmm. that really sticks out to me is the average annual revenue of a Black woman doing business is $24,000. Mm-hmm. Now, that is a number that we can move by creating yeah. revenue-generating businesses. And I think a, a yeah. lot of the um, hold there is getting comfortable with, with making money for the value that you offer, I think oftentimes yes. I'll talk to an entrepreneur and they will have zero revenue in their business yet, and they'll say, "And we're giving twenty percent back to, or we're giving free scholarships to." And it's like, <laughs> yes. we don't. And we I'm even... not laughing at the free scholarships,
0: y'all. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> but because but... this
1: this is familiar sounding, uh, you know. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And and I think that we overestimate what it takes to add value and underestimate how much that value should cost. Um, Mm -hmm. The thing about our businesses and our podcasts and what we're creating is they are inherently wrapped in giving back to our community, serving, adding value. Um, So you don't need to, on top of that, create some type of purpose opportunity to validate the fact that you're charging money for what you're doing. You're inherently adding value by being out there, by pouring into people. And so um, if you want to continue to do that, if you want to scale, if you want to expand your reach, you have to monetize that and make money from doing it. And so I think a lot of it is coming back to, do I believe that the product or service that I'm creating is valuable okay, Mm -hmm. then I see people buy things every single day, whether it's from Amazon or Instagram or TikTok. People are spending their- The same
0: people that complain about what you charge are buying stuff from
1: Amazon every day. Exactly. (laughs) And so it's like, okay, I know they're spending money. I know my thing is valuable. So I'm going to put it to them for them to get access to it. And so, yeah, yeah, I think that's a big, big part of the conversation of getting Mm -hmm. comfortable with charging for the value that you offer. And I think that that Mm. that plays into even like the corporate world as well. It's like if you're going to get a job and they're offering you a salary and you know what you're worth and you know how hard you're going to work, you know how you go above and beyond, you know how you drive impact you better negotiate, (laughs) you better get as much as you can. And, and that's the energy that we have to bring to this. If we really want to build revenue generating businesses. And I think revenue is the best funding source that exists out there. Um, and so how do we, how do we get that going?
0: Yes. Oh, there's so many places we could go with this convo. We do not have enough time to cover it all. But that salary negotiations piece, Mm. that's another piece, Mm -hmm. you guys. I mean, and I think the word worth kind of gets mixed up in there sometimes. And it's kind of misconstrued, too, because like it's not even always about that. Right. A lot of times we are being offered salaries that are just less than the industry rate period. Right. Because they know that you won't um, negotiate. They know you won't push back because you're so happy to be at that company with that brand name. So that's the first problematic part, the fact that there's not any transparency around salaries and what people are making. So that's why they're able to give you this and give Chad something else, right? Um, And then when it comes, you know, to bring it back to this conversation, like with crowdfunding, yes, let's see more of us recognize that it is okay to charge money it is okay to raise money like you you're not creating a business to give things away for free like that is just not (laughs) that's not a business exactly (laughs) like literally the IRS after three years of that they'll be like that's cute this is no longer a business (laughs) like this is a hobby you cannot claim this (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so I really hope our conversation today with Olivia has inspired you guys to start thinking about how you'll get your ducks in a row. The first step is to head over to iPhone Women of Color to start getting these resources, so you can know what you need to do to think through, like, what what is it that I'm even presenting? What am I offering? What is the value here? Because the other thing is some of us, you know, we get really excited, like, oh, I'm going to make money. Oh, I'm going to raise money. But is your product good? (laughs) Is your service good? (laughs) Do you have a service? Do you have a product? Um, (laughs) Yes. Is is there like a qualification to join? Like, do you do um, like a, hey, maybe you want to go back to the join board or (laughs) (laughs) does that happen after you Come
1: in. At minimum, you need a website and social channels um, Mm -hmm. to show people that you've taken this idea out of your head and put pen to paper to it. But like the other side of the crowdfunding to prove demand conversation is if you're not able to raise the funds, maybe you're trying to solve a problem that people aren't willing to pay for. Maybe you haven't nailed your target audience. Maybe you're positioning wrong and you get the is wrong and you get the opportunity to go back to the drawing board and fix it before you've spent thousands upon thousands of your dollars trying to get this thing off the ground.
0: Yes. So before we go into a quick lightning round, I'd love to know, you know, where can people connect with you and iFundWomen after this episode?
1: Absolutely. We are at iFundWomen on all social platforms. I am at Olivia L. Owens across all social platforms. So definitely get, get connected, um, get tapped into the resources. That's definitely my biggest tip. Leverage the resources that are out there
0: leverage the resources Ooh, this was a good one i mean i don't usually say that in the middle of an interview but i've really enjoyed this conversation <laughs> like i'm going to be re-listening um and i'm going to be rethinking you know to some of the things i'm doing so i really hope that you guys do as well so now let's jump into this lightning round number one what is a resource that you can share with everyone listening that will help them with their side hustles
1: the iPhone Women Method Playbook. Uh, it Ooh, It's a force function for you to map out the foundation of your business. What's your pitch? Who is your customer? Who is your audience? Who do you have reach to? What can you sell them? And how can you market to them? So absolutely the iPhone Women Method Playbook. Um, and you can download that for free on our website. All right.
0: And... Number two, what's been the best business book or podcast episode that you've consumed that you've recommended to women in the iPhone women of color community?
1: Ooh, that's such a good question. I always go back to The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. Um, yeah. I think really understanding your zone of genius um, and also your zone of incompetence um, helps <laughs> you figure out, OK, where where am I really strong? Where do I need to build my network in these other areas to set myself up for success? Yeah.
0: Number three, um, what is a non-negotiable part of your day?
1: Tapping back into, into the community. I, I get to meet with them uh, twice a week and coming out of those sessions, it's always such a strong reminder of, okay, why are we doing what we're doing? What is the impact mm-hmm. that we're having? And, and really grounding myself in that. So it's definitely tapping into the community.
0: All right. And number four, um, what is a personal habit that you think has significantly contributed to your success?
1: I think self-reflection and self-awareness is mm-hmm. so key and continuing to pour mm. into yourself. I think how we treat other people is how we treat ourselves. I think if we learn yeah. how to give ourselves grace and, and pour into ourselves, we're able to deliver that back to the people around us.
0: Oh, you're so wise, Olivia. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We might need to have a, a regular session with you. On Let's this get <laughs> And finally, number five, what is your parting advice for women side hustlers who want to start that crowdfunding campaign, but are scared to take the leap?
1: Perfect is the enemy of done. At some point, you have to get it out there and then iterate from that point. But you got to get it out there.
0: You got to get it out there, you guys. And that's the perfect note to end with. So there you have it. And I will talk to you next week.